Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Are you sick and tired of professional development that isn't relevant to you in the field as being a school-based SLP or an SLP that works with school-aged children? I hear you. I've been there too. I've sat through countless amounts of professional development where I walked away saying, that was great if I worked with one student or that would be great if X, Y, and Z. And that is why I created the Speech Retreat Conference. And I'm so excited to let you know that tickets are on sale now for our July 17th Speech Retreat. You don't want to miss this amazing professional development that has provided practical and relevant information for school-based SLPs for the last couple of years. Join the thousands of other SLPs tuning in each time we provide sessions that are hand-selected based on your preferences and your requests. We're going to be talking all about literacy-based for older students, life skills for high school kids, working with the special ed team, pushing in, IEPs and goal writing, and so much more. So get excited and head on over to speechretreat.com to grab your ticket today. You don't want to miss out because we are already giving away tons of prizes in our exclusive Facebook group. So don't wait, join, sign up right away so you can join that Facebook group and join in on the fun and celebrate being an awesome SLP that you are and get ready to learn so much information on July 17th. Can tune in live, make sure you sign up ahead of time so you get access to all of the recordings. You can only get access to it if you sign up beforehand. So make sure you head to speechretreat.com to grab your ticket today. Now on to today's episode. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I'm the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's 
Coffee Talk. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have someone on the scene that I know you're going to love hearing all about what he has to say, and I'm going to just have him just jump to it and explain who he is and what he's all about. So, Eric, introduce yourself for everyone. What's up, everyone? <laughs> my name is Eric. My mom named, named me Eric. I think it's a pretty good first name. So, Eric Raj. And I'm a speech language pathologist. I'm totally excited to be connecting with this great audience. I know you have such an awesome group of people listening. I am a speech language pathologist that loves technology. And I recognize the, the power of technology and how when used appropriately, it can totally connect in such great ways with our students. And I work a lot with uh, middle school age students as well as high school age students. So I really have been doing my due diligence to figure out how can I use technology to really motivate these particular wonderful communicators so that they are excited to want to keep practicing all of their goals and objectives to just grow and evolve as communicators. Why communicate when you can play video games all day, though? Well, let me tell you, video games <laughs> absolutely is something that I'm super passionate about, and I can't wait to just dig on into it with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, as someone who works with older speech students, I mean, as soon as I finally understood the concept of Fortnite, they're now on to Among Us. Like they're already onto something new. I can't keep up with all the different games they're talking about. I know what you're talking about. This idea that technology is ever changing is so true. And the same can be said for video games. Every single day, there is a new video game. And it's important for us, I think, as caring adults to ask the question to our clients. I'm very often asking this, so what video game are you into right now? That's putting our students in a beautiful position because they now can share something that is very much a part of their lives with us. And I think it's one of the first times in, dare I say, human history that children can be such wonderful content experts in something that maybe adults have no idea about. So I love talking to my clients about the hot video game. What do they think about it? And more importantly, is it possible for us to infuse it into the work that we're doing as it relates to speech and language therapy? So true. So true. I find often that my students always are hearing about what they can't do versus what they can. And they're always focusing on their weaknesses and video games is their strength. And I like to show them they're like, I'm weak at that. So like they feel empowered to teach me about that. So can you explain more like how you use video games to empower your clients? Yeah. One of the things that I've started to notice about video games and kind of how video games are evolving is the fact that they are dare I say, today's digital sandbox. So back when you and I were growing up, you know, we would go out to the parks and, you know, we would be with our friends in some of those physical spaces. And those physical spaces are still there, of course. But now the idea of connecting with your friends and using your words to build relationships, they very well do exist online. So I love the opportunity to figure out how are my students, the ones on my caseload, how are they spending some of their free time in the digital world? And when I'm able to really understand that, then I can really easily infuse some of that into the work that we do. And I've been really loving the idea of better understanding social pragmatics and how do they present themselves in these digital spaces. You know, now a lot of these video games, they're wearing headsets and they're using their words to communicate during real 
learning opportunities and friendship growing experiences. And if there's a breakdown in communication in that particular world, that can really hinder their opportunities to grow their friendships. And, you know, caring clinicians like you and I, we want to build that social circle with our friends, with with our clients so that they could have that great, you know, friend circle to keep practicing the the communication that, you know, they need to be doing. So I'm using uh, video games in an intentional way for them to expand their receptive language, their expressive language, their digital pragmatics, and so many other ways. Can you give more examples? I'm so curious on how you're using it to work on like receptive and expressive language. Totally. So what I did not too long ago was I was using a video game and prior to even doing the video game, we were just talking about facts and opinions, right? So I had a wonderful string of stuff that I downloaded from Teachers Pay Teachers. You know, and we were going over some of the more quote unquote traditional drill work mm-hmm. that is necessary from time to time. So we were talking about how this picture, you know, the, the stimuli was, you know, the person had on a necklace, right? And it would be something like the the woman is wearing a necklace, fact or opinion. And we're like, oh, that's a fact. We can see the necklace. And then like an opinion would be like, that's the most beautiful necklace ever. And it's like, well, that's an opinion because I could view the necklace as one way and then you could view the necklace as another way. So we had the framework in play as to the idea of what fact and opinion was. And then I said, let's take a break. Let's jump on into this video game. So via teletherapy, you know, we shared the link. We had the video game up. We were doing the video game talking about some of the video game. So right then and there, we're practicing our expressive language, some of the vocabulary, and then we would pause the video game. And then I would start to throw some fact or opinion sentences their way about the video game. So I would say something like, this is the best video game in the history of video games, dude. Fact or opinion. And then they're like analyzing the sentence, really thinking about it. And then with some prompts and cues, they came right back at me and they're like, you know what, Mr. Eric, we're going to call that an opinion. And I'm like, you're right, because you really can't back that up. But then I'll say something like, hmm, here's your next sentence. The video game features a yellow character. And then we're able to visually see, you know what? The character is yellow. It's not red. It's not purple. We can back that up because we have our eyes that tells us the information. So it's all about just recognizing that the digital video game can be viewed as an audiovisual stimuli in no different way that the the boom card is, or in no different way than, than the, the flash card is if we were doing, you know, mm-hmm. traditional face-to-face stuff. So true. And I bet they're so motivated by that. Like, wait, he's letting me play a video game while working on my speech. Like that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> totally. Do you have any tips for someone who's wondering, okay, how do I do this while still making sure my goals are being met? Totally. I think what you can do is trust yourself as a clinician. Very often, at least I'll speak for myself, I find myself backtracking. I'm like, wait, is this connecting to the goals and objectives? And I have to remind myself that when we are engaging in meaningful back and forth conversation, more likely than not, instances of that do connect to the goals and objectives. So of course, have a very real idea as to what the child's goals and objectives are, and then just go with it. So when I mentioned that idea about the facts and opinions, that is a very real way that the language and the overall communication just unfolds right in front of us. So I trust the process of the foundation that all of us have as clinicians. You know, we all have our CCC SLP. We all have a wonderful host of experiences that have set us up for the opportunity to really use any material as a functional material. So, you know, clinicians like you and I, we could pick up a pen and a pencil and a cup 
Mm-hmm. And that can become the most exciting therapy experience in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we could connect it to any goal and objective. And I think that's because we trust in ourselves. So to view the video game as something that is a natural extension of what you are as a fun and functional and caring clinician. So, so true. Do you have any tips or recommendations for someone working in a group and saying, how do I make this work with other students? Yes, I think that when I utilize video games, the best thing that I've seen in the group setting is when I'm honing in on having the children work together as a team to communicate something to me. So what I mean by that is I, in that situation, can be the video game player and I can intentionally play the game for a few moments and then pause it. And then I might say something to my students like, I need teamwork right now. I need both of you to communicate with one another to help me understand what should be my next step. So that is the beautiful peer-to-peer interaction that so many of our students can benefit from. So they work together as a team and they come to a consensus as to how they can communicate the next move to me. And then I, as a listener, I'm very intentional with recognizing, do I understand what it is that you're saying? Are your words organized? Are the words that you're choosing to use appropriate for me to understand? And if it is, then in all likelihood, I'm able to unpause and then I'm able to move the character to the next level. Mm -hmm. So having them be in the opportunity to be in that peer-to-peer learning mode Mm -hmm. works flawlessly with the overall idea of you have a video game and the character is trying to go from level one to level two, so on and so forth. Love it. Love it. Do you have any favorite games to for someone to check out that might be interested in trying to try some of these ideas out with their students? Sure. I peruse this website very often, and this is so functional for your audience. I want them to check this out. So the website is itch. Io. So that's I-T-C-H dot I-O. It's filled with a host of different video games. And through the website, you'll figure out how to search for free browser-based video games. So those are the ones that you're able to uh, utilize perfectly in teletherapy. And in all honesty, you could do that in face-to-face therapy too. So one of the games that I'm playing recently with within itch.io is a game called Dreamin' Cat. So when you type in Dreamin', so it's D-R-E-A-M-I-N, and then the word cat, C-A-T, you're going to get access to this really cute platformer video game where there's this cat and the cat is sleeping. And the cat is in this very strange loop where he falls asleep and then he wakes up and then he falls asleep and then he wakes up. And it's such a interesting video game. And I'm playing this with like seventh and eighth graders. So they're attempting to understand this very loose storyline that revolves around this cat who's falling asleep and then waking up. And when he wakes up, he walks down certain hallways and then he falls asleep again. So there's so many great WH questions that come into play. From a visual perspective, I could say, what is that item right there? Some of it's kind of um, interesting. That might be a chair or that might be something that moved. We don't know. That might be a telephone, but maybe that's not a telephone. So I can ask them, what is the function of that item in the video game? And then I could ask them to maybe take some educated guesses. So when you're playing a video game like this, that has a very loose storyline. It is open-ended where you can attempt to fill in the gaps as a communicator and as a creative person. And you could try to maybe create your own story and your own 
voyage for wherever, for whatever direction the character is going in. So I think that it's a super open-ended video game and uh, I've found a lot of success. So again, that's Dreamin' Cat and you can get to it from itch.io. And as you're explaining this, my mind is spinning like, oh my goodness, okay, describing goals. Okay, if people have like preposition goals or whatever, or, you know, the students can create their own scene. Where would they put the CAD? I can picture so many other follow-up activities even with it. So many, so many goals. I'm planning on checking this out with my students. (laughs) Any other recommendations? For sure. Another example of a video game that I've used on more than one occasion that can be found at itch.io is a game called Minivania. And I'll spell that for you. It's M-I-N-I-V-A-N-I-A. And that is a wonderful puzzle type experience where you have this little pink character. And this little pink character is walking around this world that kind of looks like caves. And within this cave world, there's a bunch of spikes that the character needs to jump over. And the character eventually is attempting to kind of get to a different part of the cave. So it's an open-ended experience where you can move that character around. And there's a lot of opportunities for you to read certain clues in order to figure out what the character needs to do next. What direction does the character need to go in? Because as we know, sometimes caves have a lot of different corridors and like different little secrets in it, right? So this is a really cool opportunity for some of your middle schoolers to attempt to figure out some of these little puzzle experiences. So I think it's absolutely appropriate for us to try with some of our students on our caseload. Love it. Love it. I love also how I've heard you talk about in the past how you also correlate video games with overcoming obstacles and challenges that students have. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. What I've noticed in consuming research, not only in the field of speech language pathology, but outside of our field, a lot of times children do use video games as a lens for them to think about different aspects of their own life. So when we think about the basic premise of most video games, there's a character and the character is moving through some sort of dilemma or some sort of adventure to kind of get to a new point in their journey. So when we take a step back and kind of think about what I just said, a lot of that can be connected in some capacity with the journey that our students are going through. So a student perhaps is struggling as a communicator. Perhaps a student is learning new skills in order to advance as a learner or as a communicator. So what we can do is we can have valuable conversations with our students about the video games and then transition it to how they are progressing in their own lives. So what you can do is you can start to say to your student, so this character in the video game, what do you think their life was like during level one. And then they could start to analyze, well, level one was a little tricky because they didn't have that particular sword yet. So life was a little bit trickier, but you know what? When they got to level two, they now had that sword and it made their journey a little bit easier because now they were able to presumably, you know, cut down some of the tree and now they're able to get the apple or whatever. And then that's really just a metaphor for the character learn something new, and now the character is able to do something to advance. So then we turn it around and we say to our student, hey, so what is the sword that you now have as a person who's learning all this new stuff? So hopefully with some prompts and cues, the child could say, well, my articulation now 
is a little bit stronger. You know, you taught me that new trick with my tongue or my lips. And now I feel like I could say some of the sounds a little bit more crisp. So I feel like I'm now progressing. I'm now at level two. I have this new tool in the same way that the one character has the new tool of the sword in that video game. I now have this tool that you taught me and I'm able to kind of keep moving forward. People around me can understand me more. And now I'm able to really communicate with those people so that they know my wants, my hopes, and my dreams. So I'm really happy that I'm progressing. And now I'm going to keep trying so that I get to level three. And then I'll say, well, what does level three look like for you? And then they'll give me some good insights and it just keeps going back and forth. Then we jump from thinking about ourselves to thinking about video games, thinking about ourselves to thinking about video games. It's just so natural. So true. Even us as adults, we always struggle to look down the mountain. We need to teach our students to look how far they've come. Like, look where you were. Remember where, how you were back in September when you came in here for the first time or whatever. Right. Um, so it's always good to teach them about, you know, it's like in a video game, you look how, how many levels. You might be upset that you didn't beat the game yet, but you're, you beat level one. You've, you've accomplished other tasks. So I, I love that. That's awesome. I, you know what I've been noticing? I've been really starting to notice the power of teaching our children to take their own data. I, I've known that is powerful for so long, but like I've really started to hone in on that when I've been starting to explore video games. So when I ask a student to kind of make these analogies between how they're operating versus how like the character's operating, that's them quite honestly taking their own data. They're essentially writing down their progress and how they are progressing. And if we do that from time to time, we can really start to collect a really nice longitudinal experience where exactly how you said, how are they in September? How are they in February? How are they in May? They can look back in a very intentional way. So I've been exploring with some of my students, I guess I'll just call it like a video game diary but AKA it's just a Google doc with a running Google doc where they're kind of talking about the voyage of a particular character in a video game. And they're comparing it with their own voyage as communicators. And they're starting to look back on it. And there's a sense of pride when they look back a few months later. I mean, a few months in the past, they recognize that they are making some great gains and we celebrate that as caring clinicians. Love it. Love it. Love it. Can you share like an aha moment or a success story that you've had using video games with any of your clients? For sure. So there is a spectacular website called Mystery Doug. And <laughs> Mystery Doug has a terrific story. Not story. Video. What would you call it? Yeah, video. Thank you. They have a great video and it's titled something like How Are Video Games Made? And if you watch that video on Mystery Doug, you're going to learn a really fun fact. And that fun fact is that the video game Animal Crossings took something like almost 10 years to make from start to finish. And I was doing that video with a student and it was such an aha moment for that student because he recognized that the video game took so long to make. And with very little prompts and cues, he almost automatically turned it around and said, Something like, you know what, Mr. Eric, that kind of reminds me of the work that we've been doing. And really what he started to say to me is that progress doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And when you put in the work and when you show up, you do eventually start to see really cool things come into play. So seeing that video game 
fact and how that one video game took a long time to kind of get to the end stage, it helped him to really recognize that he's coming along and he's doing the work. And in time, he's going to reach those goals that he's very aware of. And together, we're doing it as a team. Love it. Love it. And another thing you can even go with that is that video also showed how many different professionals are involved in the making of a video game. So it's, it's, it takes a village for these students sometimes to progress. It might not just be, I'd like to say, you know, we are the rock stars, but it's also the teachers. It's also the parents might be the OT. You know, there's all these different people that are there to help this student get to their end goal. So you can also go with that analogy as well. Hands down. I love that teamwork. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. My students couldn't believe when we watched that video, like how many people were involved. And then we got to talk about which job would they want and why and why not. And we had little debates on which, you know, so there were so many fun things that you can do with listening the highly motivating topic of video games. Yeah. And that really gets them ready, I think, to think big picture. Like our students can have really, really cool jobs. So let's start to think about some 21st century jobs that they might want to explore. So that video highlights so many different people, such as like a beta tester. What is a beta tester? Mm -hmm. What is a graphic designer? What is a levels designer? I mean, all of these jobs are so exciting and we very well could open up the eyes to the next great level designer in uh, the next great video game maker, right? Hey, you never know, right? There's so many possibilities. And we can teach them that they need some of these language skills that we're teaching them to get there. That this is, if that's your goal, we are here to help them reach that goal. So love it. Love it, love it, love it. Anything last that we have not shared yet that you feel that everyone would want to know when it comes to working with video games, Mm. their students? Yes, I think the one of the most common things people have asked me is something along the lines of, but video games can be so distracting, right? I mean, gosh, uh, uh, video games, like if I, if I get them, if I get that in front of them, they're not going to want to turn it off. And I do recognize that can be a problem, but remember this, we know our caseload better than anyone. So we know the kiddos that the video game experience could be great for. So don't just throw the idea of video games out if you have this idea that it might not work for one or two of your students, because it very well could work for another one or two. So to really just um, trust your gut, you know your clients the best, the ones that it's going to be good for, it will be good for, and you'll be able to contain it and you know make sure that your students are staying on topic because you've done it time and time again, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've used iPads, you've used boom cards, you've used all these other exciting things. Video games are no different from all of those things. Back in the day when we can use Jenga, you know, oh Uno. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I miss those days. <laughs> miss the Maybe. days of picking up all the blocks off the floor. How about VR? I'm sure that's going to be coming, knocking on our door soon. We're going to be playing virtual reality Jenga. I can't wait. You and I will play a game together. Done. I, count me, that's a, Who's going to win, done. you or me? Oh, it's a tough one. My, <laughs> student, my students know I, they have to beat me to like, it's, I, it's a challenge. You got that steady hand. I know you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watch out now. <laughs> but uh, what everyone is probably wanting to know more about what made you create your own video games. As a child, I grew up playing video games. So it has left such a beautiful imprint on my brain. And I'll be honest with you, when COVID happened, it really just altered all of our lives. And I got to a point where I couldn't see my friends in the same way that I was used to. So we all naturally progressed towards meeting up in video game spaces. And as an adult, when I re- 
connected to those video games, that's when I started to really understand, hmm, all these things that my students were talking about, there's something there and I need to better understand that in order to be of service to my students. So since COVID, I've really started to immerse myself in things like Minecraft, Roblox, PUBG, Fortnite. Like I really- Games I hear about all the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I really took the initiative to put myself in those worlds to see what is this and can I better harness the overall idea from these things. And I've been so pleasantly surprised. And it's really, it's reinvigorated some of the ways in which I view technology. And that's what it's all about. We have to just keep surprising ourselves as clinicians, because this is a very exciting field to be a part of. So let's keep exposing ourselves to new ways or potential ways of, you know, exciting our students. Love it. Love it. And it's so true. And I love it that you wanted to get to know what your students were into and and I'm sure you learned probably a ton. Can you share one like aha moment that you had? Yes. I. So I will say in Among Us, there's a very popular phrase that was said that I had no idea what it meant. But playing the game, I then realized, oh, that's what the kids have been saying. So sus, the phrase, sus. that's what it is. <laughs> it's sus. It's so but, sus. <laughs> can I tell you something really funny? I was working with a wonderful high school student and the high school student was using the word sus. And I, at first thought that he was choosing to not say the whole word suspicious because he perhaps thought he was going to stutter on it. So he was doing like some sort of instance of like word switching. But look at me. I was so incorrect. He was using sus appropriately. And I was just so blown away when it finally came into play. I'm like, oh, sus. Right. Okay. So it's a beautiful thing from a speech language pathology perspective because it shows how language is constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. And how beautiful is it to know that like we can see language evolving from such a beautiful art form that is video games. Like I do believe video games are a very real piece of art in the same way that the Mona Lisa is a piece of art. Moby Dick, the bit of literature is a piece of art. Like these are real 21st century bits of art and it's super exciting. Mm -hmm. I've had my students teach me the vocabulary of video games. So like, what does sus mean? They have to define it, use it in a sentence, help me figure it out. What does, it, even the word imposter, yes, I know what it means, but like explain how it's used in the video game. With Fortnite, I played with them to make sure, like pretend like I didn't know what skin meant in Fortnite. I'm, now I do know what it means, but I'm like, what do you mean? Like the skin right here, like on my body? Like, no, it's, so having them, feel like they're teaching me something like and I play dumb about it like they felt so empowered powered so I love it that you really by playing the game you really realize what your students were talking about all this time I realized there was a new video game on the scene when a bunch of different groups of mine started using like the word imposter and sus and I'm like okay either there's a YouTube video or a new video game something's going on that everyone in different groups in different classes are talking about the same thing right so, uh, <laughs> And now we're hip. Now we're super hip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other day I said, I said, I don't remember what I said. Some sort of like slang term. And my student was like, you say that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm cool. I guess I'm cool enough to say you that. You sure are cool. You tell your students <laughs> that I said you're super cool. I will. I'll tell them. That. Hey, when I bring in video games next week, I'll be like, well, Mr. Eric introduced me to these games. So yes, that's how I became cool. So can you explain, tell everyone where can they 
learn more about you, learn more about video games, using in speech, all that fun stuff? Sure. I'm starting to do a lot of writing about that kind of stuff. So you could check out all my writing at ericxraj.com. It's E-R-I-K-X-R-A-J. So check out that website on there. You'll find some cool blog posts and some other things that I'm working on. So yeah, just uh, also hit me up. You could just contact me anytime if you want to have a conversation about video games. I'm all about it. You know, let's let's start dialogue and let's, uh, let's grow together. And where can people find your video games directly? You could check out slpvideogames.com. I create a bunch of video games on my own that I think are really good for speech therapy. You know, I'm super biased because I made them, but like I do use them and I think they're pretty cool. So yeah, slpvideogames.com. And I'm not saying it just because he's here. I tried it out with my own daughter at home who's six years old and loved it. And I tried it out with a sixth grade student who loved it. So proof that it is really cool and fun and elicits a ton of language. So thank you, Eric, for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise with working with video games to motivate our students and help them become better communicators, learners, social skills, people, everything, all the above. So thank you so much. And I always end my episodes with a joke. And I found a fun video game joke, perfect for this topic. So what do you call a Minecraft celebration. Ooh, gosh. Ooh. Lay it on me. I don't know. A block party. Oh, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. I got to use that. I'm going to use good that. One. That's a good one, right? A block party. Mm-hmm. Love that one. That Ending on the right foot. Mm-hmm. Ending on the right foot. But I'm ching. Until next week, guys, stay out of trouble. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.